This is the Humerian Health Podcast. Spilling our guts for the well-being of yours. We're here today with the Humerian Health Podcast. I'm Amy Baker, and Dr. Sean Benzinger is with me. Hola. <laughs> Hola. And today, we have a very special guest that we're going to do our interview with, Dr. Vijaya yep. Nair. <laughs> Hi, how are you, Dr. Nair? So, I'm great. I, thank you, know, you, Amy, and thank you, uh, Dr. Benzinger. Oh, well, I'm just glad you have okay, you just, on. Okay, just to clarify, I'm going to go ahead and have you say your name again for everybody listening because I completely didn't do a good job with that. <laughs> so, well, actually, you you were fine. It's Dr. Vijaya Nair. Okay, Dr. Vijaya yeah. Nair. Perfect. You did great. I did great. You did so, great. So, yes, Dr. Dr. Nair is an author um, and has written a book called Prevent Cancer, Strokes, Heart Attacks, and Other Deadly Killers. And so we are very excited to learn more about your background and some of the philosophies that you bring to both the combination of Eastern and Western medicine um, and just to learn a little bit more about what's in your book today. Super. Thank you for the opportunity. Absolutely. So talk to us a little bit about how your education in both Eastern and Western medicine affect the way that you practice today? I, I uh, thank you for that question. Um, it's very interesting because I was brought up in a totally, completely Western medical schooling system in mm-hmm. Singapore. Um, and uh, I did my postdoctoral uh, at Harvard Medical School. Mm-hmm. And then I did my research as an epidemiologist and um, thought briefly at Columbia University. So I've been around the block and yeah. uh, lectured and, you know, studied and did my master's and went into the PhD program, uh, both at Harvard and at the, um, especially at Columbia. And um, I started, when I started my practice in um, the 80s, um, I was totally like, you know, clear that, you know, there are certain disease states and illnesses and conditions where Western medicines, you know, the allopathic medical model fit very well. Mm-hmm. And I, when I started doing my research, both at Harvard and at Columbia, I started seeing that there were so many side effects associated with the conventional treatments that were not reported to physicians. It took about, you know, it's it's very scary because it takes about 10, sometimes even longer year, number of years before the medical research um, catches up, before physicians catch up with the latest medical research. And sometimes most physicians don't read. They don't go into the fine print mm-hmm. uh, where the side effects are reported for chronic illnesses and chronic medications like cancer treatments, um, especially chronic antibiotic use. Mm. And we're seeing a rampant rise in what we term as the chronic inflammatory diseases. So my, my mission in life is, is like, wow, that is one model, and you have some problems with some medications that we are taking, and how can we judiciously, judiciously uh, safely and wisely combine the use of medications for whatever illnesses we may have or our family members or loved ones may have with uh, natural treatments? Because you see, in Singapore, I am very familiar with traditional Chinese medicine, traditional Indian or Ayurvedic treatments, because my family and my friends and my community, you know, it was no big deal to practice and to to go to the uh, traditional Eastern practitioners 
when you needed it, for example, when a woman has a, a, a menses problem, menstruation problems, or after delivery, um, you know, we seek out the traditional, you know, alternative physicians, mm-hmm. including chiropractors. Mm-hmm. And I know Dr. Benziger is very, um, you know, it's a, it's a, he's, he's, he, I, I think you, Dr. Benziger, you are very familiar with the traditional medical physicians mm-hmm. who may not be exposed to a wonderful treatment like chiropractors or gut health or, you know, um, for addressing simple problems. They don't have to complicate it. Absolutely. <laughs> so anyway, so that's a, in a nutshell a problem. Well, I'll tell you, uh, when you came over from Singapore to Harvard first, it probably had to be a little bit of a shock of how little um, insight was given in the rest of your training associated with alternative healthcare options, wasn't it? Well, it was so funny because um, Harvard or Boston is actually the, if you heard of Benson, uh, Dr. Herbert Benson, the father of, you know, uh, meditation and research yes. into taxation response, yep. um, it was just coming up in the uh, 90s and uh, was not mainstay yet, but I was exposed to research because I, I like to think out of the box and, you know, was was checking all this alternative um, treatments out, which I had not uh, come across. Like, you know, you really had to pay attention to the whole person. Yep. And we were doing it so naturally uh, in the Eastern medical practices. But when you went into the allopathic or Western medical model, as you well know, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes we miss treating the whole person. We just treat them by the disease states or mm-hmm. the organ states. Yes. So that was a that was a shock, and uh, yes, so I was exposed to the shock within the shock. Even yeah, in no, I'm so, sure. Yeah. I, I'm sure. But now, there they had the science of it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, qu- they very, were developing the science. Very quickly, yeah. epidemiology, just for the listeners, can you explain what that is, that kind of that specialty? Because I think it then, uh, understanding that specialty certainly understands probably some of your view of this. So if you could explain that in shorter to our listeners, what is epidemiology? Sure. I'd be happy to. You see, epidemiology is the study and analysis of the distribution and the determinants of health and disease conditions in very defined populations. So it is a cornerstone of public health. When I did my master's in, in uh, public health and in, in, in epidemiology, um, the principles in epidemiology shapes the policy decisions and evidence-based practices because it helps to identify for doctors and scientists to identify risk factors for disease so that they can target for preventive health care. Hmm. So okay. epidemiologists, when you go for training, will help this, that the study design, the collection, the statistical analysis mm-hmm. of data and how to interpret it and decimate, as a dissemination of the um, a dissemination of results. Yep. Yep. Gotcha. Absolutely. Well, and the only reason why I mentioned that is because you understand detail, the nuances of disease, and because of you coming from Singapore, uh, frankly, you understand a different view of how that could be assessed or evaluated than many that are trained here in the United States. So I wanted to point that out because you can see it in your book, you can see it with everything you're saying, and you can say, see it with what you've written. So let's start talking a little bit about pharmaceuticals and natural alternatives and the combinations of some. So give us a little history and some inf- insights that you found very valuable in, within your book. Sure. Um... What I talk about in my book is, is basically bringing it down to a simple layperson's term 
of understanding what disease, you know, what, what, where does it originate from. Of course, it's a bigger multifactorial model, mm-hmm. but right in the body is about chronic inflammation. Mm-hmm. But inflammation is good and bad. When acute inflammation, yes, you know, is good. And when inflammation gets into a chronic state, uh, that's when the, the trouble happens. So pharmaceuticals use that model for uh, targeting illnesses. And we know uh, that the chronic inflammation is a primary contributing factor involved in a number of chronic diseases, such as, you know, cancers and um, people suffering from chronic inflammatory bowel disease, ulcerative colitis, Crohn's disease. Uh, They have an increased risk of uh, developing colon cancer. We also know that behind the chronic inflammation, in many cases, there is a chronic infective process going on. That means infection plays a part in the development of chronic inflammation, as I just mentioned it. Um, like the, 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 in for gastric ulcers, now we, we detect that um, uh, a bacteria called H. heliobacter pylori, mm-hmm. uh, it, it's responsible for, say, 85% of the cancer, if higher than 85%, close to 90 over percent of the development of gastric ulcers. So now, instead of uh, uh, um, uh, focusing on just the gastric ulceration as a form of chronic inflammation can develop to gastric cancer, that's the cancer of the stomach, we can now treat earlier onset of gastric ulcers with, 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 uh, when we detect the bacteria, the H. pylori, Mm -hmm. in the ulcers, when we do the biopsy, we can give antibiotics, suitable low-dose antibiotics. But here, the, and, and also we know that 85% of heart disease, uh, 85% of patients with heart disease, they have history of gum disease, periodontitis. Hmm. And um, that gum disease can be treated. Um, so there is a use for antibiotics, but it has to be judiciously used. And what I talk about for chronic inflammation, once it goes from acute and it's, it's prolonged and chronic, like in cancers, and in diabetes and in, you know, gut health, gut diseases, um, natural remedies such as diet and supplements can help. Okay. So we know that I used to always tell people that if you don't have any inflammation problems, you probably don't have a whole lot of problems. Um, but yeah. the <laughs> issue is there are so many things that cause inflammation. And uh, you've done a really, really good job of kind of tying up inflammation. But you also talk about, and let me let me look since I have your book right in front of me. Uh, you talked about a very specific type of um inflammatory marker that you like to follow? I was trying to look at it. Enemy number one, NFKB. What's that? The nuclear factor, um, kafa B. Um, that is like the center that we found that, you know, one of the main um, protein is an nf kafa B, the nuclear factor kafa B. Okay, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a protein. Mm-hmm. It's a form of a protein that, you know, it cascades. It forms a cascade reaction. It triggers more than 200 genes in the body that can trigger inflammation, chronic inflammation. So nf B can be related in the development of cancer. It can be uh, found to be related in the uh, uh, um, in, in development of arthritis, uh, all kinds of inflammatory disorders in the body. So it's a very cool pathway when you follow what the cascade says because even taking the disease, the development of cancer, and I talk about it in my book, The Prevent Cancer, Strokes, Heart Attacks, and Other Deadly Killers, that NF-CoverBean has been associated with the uh, uh, proliferation of cancer cells. 
in tumor promotion, for example, in developing you know, more cancer cells in other uh, parts of the body, like the metastasis, the secondaries, in angiogenesis, for example, the development of new blood cells to feed the cancer cells. So the rule goes on and on and on for NF-CAFA-D. So this is just in cancer. But yep. we found it in uh, the, 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 the pathway is still there where it's triggering off the genes in arthritis. So it's, arthritis is like, you know, one out of every three adults will suffer from arthritis or some other chronic joint problems in their lifetime. So it's a, it's a very chronic condition. And people don't realize that if you have a family history of any of these um, chronic disease states, and if you don't take care of your health and well-being and, um, from the very beginning, um, chances are you're very prone to it especially if you don't look after your diet or take the right uh, precautions or exercise or go for regular massage or sleep and all the other many factors that, you know, it's a lifestyle disease. Let's put it this way. Sure. So yeah. you've got to look at your lifestyle. And Absolutely. stress plays a great role in triggering this inflammatory conditions. I think that's half the time what is so confusing so many people. But I, I, the NFKB is this is this consistently evaluated in blood work? Can can listeners go to their doctor and say, "Hey, I'd just like to see." Is that measurable? <laughs> Does that help? No, they they don't. It's a, it's more of a scientist and and the, oh. the, and the, and the specialized laboratories. But it, because we have inflammation, there are other markers that we can go and ask. And this you have to specifically um, ask your your doctors. Okay. Like for example, the C-reactive protein. Okay, That's also another another uh, um, a marker that uh, indicates um, how severe you have your inflammation response in your body. Okay. So the C-reactive protein is, is one uh, simple thing that you can ask. And then the other thing, of course, is your homocysteine levels. There are mm -hmm. a couple of other markers that you can ask that I, I explain in the book. Okay, excellent. That's great. Now, how does inflammation anti and oxidation connect, though? So inflammation can cause um, oxidation, like, for example, in the low-density uh, uh, L-lipoprotein for the uh, cholesterol. You know, there's good cholesterol and a bad cholesterol, right? So... When the oxidation, it's not, it's not just the level of cholesterol, what we call the low, the uh, LDL cholesterol. When the LDL cholesterol, um, the, what we call the, it gets oxidized, it causes plaque formation. So plaque is dangerous in one, in, in a couple of ways. The most important way is there's a plaque buildup that's oxidized low density uh, lipoprotein cholesterol, the, the, the bad uh, uh, cholesterol, it, it, it becomes bad when it's oxidized, it becomes a plaque, it, it, it sort of blocks your arteries and your blood vessels. A plaque is also very dangerous, and I'm explaining in a very simplified way, because the plaque can break off. Mm -hmm. It can break off from the uh, interior walls, the endothelial walls of the blood vessels, and get lodged in, in different um, you know, parts of the body which form blood clots. And it tears when it breaks off from the interior, the endothelial um, 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 uh, walls of their blood vessels, it causes tears. When it tears, when the blood vessels com uh, it continuously tears like that, mm -hmm. uh, you are depriving, um, uh, uh, the, for example, the heart muscle of oxygen. So that's when you get ischemia and you start feeling chest pains. Mm -hmm. And Makes so sense. measuring of your low-density low lipoprotein and knowing what your good cholesterol, the HDL, and how to increase your HDL and lower your low-density, the bad cholesterol, um, is important. 
So it sounds like if you can connect your cholesterol measurements and insight and your inflammatory markers, you get a much better picture. Correct. So that makes sense. That's exactly right. Okay, so let's... But that's not only picture, though, because when you can connect and you get these, as as a patient, when you go and see your doctor, if you don't ask for C-reactive protein and you don't know how your inflammatory levels are in your body, Dr. Benziger, you will not know. You will think, well, I have a backache, or but you don't know what your organs are telling you. Yep. So some very simple markers when you can tell your doctors, look, I want this. And it's tough in most of our blood tests, but the doctors don't do it routinely unless they're trained in integrative medicine. Yep, and that's one test. I think the CRP is just something that should be a standard test. It just would make sense. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Would you typically get that test? So if I were to ask my doc about getting that value, is it oh, a, yes. is it a one and done thing, or is it like if they're running a cholesterol test, like a general blood panel, like at a yearly exam or something? You can say like add it um, to that. It, it can be added. Your yeah. doctors will know exactly what to do, and you okay. can ask for a vitamin D level, and you can also ask for homocysteine levels because all these are markers of the level of stress that's in your body that's causing inflammation. So when you see an inflammatory marker like C-reactive protein, more than uh, uh, the three units that they have. Uh, between one to three is the normal. And if you have people that are less than one, like 0.5, um, they are very good. They don't, mm-hmm. they don't have you know, heart disease and heart attacks and they're doing very well. But okay. if you have more than three uh, in the units that they measure the, the C-reactive protein, that means you better sit up and take notice. Yeah. Your body is inflammation, inflammation, chronic inflammation going on. Okay. Absolutely right. So let's look at some of and the... And your doctors can help you. Oh, yeah. yes, absolutely. Yeah. And and let's just shoot into diet. And uh, some of those dietary habits and uh, specific things you want people to look at that really will advance that anti-inflammatory effect and that they can eat and have part of their diet on a consistent basis. Well, you have raised a very, very good point in your in your website and in your, um, in your blog post, Dr. Bensinger, when you talk about gut health and how to the less processed the foods, less white sugar, less white flour, you know, check the labels, the food labels of everything you buy, make it organic. If you're drinking milk, organic, grass-fed, you know, milk for your children. Um, and if you're lactose intolerance, you know, and gluten sensitivity can cause so much of chronic fatigue and tiredness and, you know, joint pains, uh, check, check with a naturopath. You know, uh, some foods that you can be super sensitive with. And uh, most people, for example, don't know how much of processed soy there is in a lot of foods. Oh, yeah. And thinking so. that, you know, soy milk is good, right? Yeah. Yeah. But soy milk, drinking on a daily basis is not good. And what I talk extensively about my research and my experience is drinking fermented soy or eating fermented soy, cultured soy, is much better. Like even cultured yogurt is is much better than the normal, uh, you know, like kefir is much better than the ordinary yogurt. Mm -hmm. So go for organic, go for natural, go for plenty of vegetables and fruits. And um, if you're cutting down, you cut down on meat (laughs) as much as you can. And even the fish, make sure that, you know, it's, it's, um, it's, 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 it's caught wild, like the salmon in the wild and not farmed. And, you know, you have to look at your practices and what you're eating and feeding your family. Yeah, absolutely. So that's very, very important. Yep. So, Check the food label. Yeah, so you talk about foods that may 
not have an inflammatory response, but are there foods or supplements that actually can kind of reverse the effects or act as an anti-inflammatory? Or is it really just eat foods that aren't don't have inflammatory properties and that is just, that's what you should do? That's an excellent question, Amy, because uh, Dr. Um, Benziger, you talk about in your website and blog that the use of probiotics is very, very important for everybody after the age of, you know, I, I take it after the age of 20. And I've seen some children here with chronic gut issues because of prolonged and continuous use of antibiotics. Uh, by the physicians who, who may not know that you cannot take chronic use of antibiotics can destroy your gut flora. Yeah. And we know that more than 80% of the immunity is in your gut. So correct use of the right use of probiotics, I completely agree with that, and the use of digestive enzymes if you frequently suffer from bloating and, and uh, the gut-related uh, uh, problems. So the gut is very, very important. Uh, the antioxidants that I talk about in the, the natural supplements uh, are very, very important. Like, for example, I mentioned fermented soy. Those are mm -hmm. still in diet form, but you can also get it in powder form as a protein, fermented soy protein. You can also get curcumin, which is mm -hmm. the active mm -hmm. ingredient in turmeric, yep. right? The curry powder. You have a little bit of turmeric for girls. It's very, very important. Like, you know, say three times a, a week, you know, just use a little bit of turmeric and when you cook. Um, to, for girls, uh, it, it's shown that in, in, in the China studies, for example, they showed that um, girls who are adolescents, before the age, before adolescents, if they take a small dose of fermented soy, uh, uh, they uh, prevent the, 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 the incidence of breast cancer later on in life. It's oh. very much reduced. Mm. So the timing is important. And of course, when I mentioned about curcumin, oh my God, curcumin is one of the most uh, uh, simplest things that you can take. Just small doses of turmeric every day uh, or three times a day, uh, three times a week um, will prevent later on history of dementia, uh, history of arthritis, you know, the incidence of arthritis and incidence of uh, dementia um, comes down significantly in countries that are taking these natural, you know, uh, herbs and, and spices. Mm -hmm. This so is that's why, very, very important. This is why I like to cook Indian food at home, because it has all of the good <laughs> spices in yeah, it. Yeah, it does. Very healthy. It's a healthy food source. It really is. Mm -hmm. Cool. Well, it depends on whether, you know, different uh, traditions make it. And, you know, you, you may like uh, the miso soup in, in the Japanese mm -hmm. culture. Mm -hmm. So we can, like, take what is good. We, we need to understand that. And uh, putting miso soup, I have different people here who have a hard time digesting, but they do well with miso soup. Mm -hmm. People who have history of cancer, you know, so suggesting to them different kind of supplements for the different, you know, conditions that they are going through, uh, it helps. Yeah, absolutely. You're, you know, you're, what's funny about your book is that it's too short. <laughs> and it's unbelievably <laughs> dense as to... You, you wrote a book so that it was easy to read and actually focused exactly where you wanted people to be. And if they just did those things, instead of writing a 700-page book <laughs> that explained everything about everything so people were so confused they would never do anything. I mean, what? I, a, what, I hope you're writing a whole series of this kind, this type of book 
over and over again because I would interview you on every one of them. Thank you. Thank you so much. You know, I have a confession to make. Initially, when I gave the manuscript to the editors, it was more than 300 pages. I bet you. <laughs> All kinds of diagrams. So you were absolutely right. But people couldn't read it. Yeah. It was yeah. too hard. Yep. And I realized that, you know, it depends on your priority, right? I want people to understand what they're reading so they can finish their reading. So I don't know how many people, you know, call me or email me or text me and tell me, Dr. Naira, I finished this book. I was so happy I could understand it. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, then I can go in and do further research because the book talks a lot about research articles and other publications and books that you can try and read if you're interested in that topic. Yep, yeah. but absolutely. as a glance, people need to know something, you know, that they can do, that they can read, that's readable. Yeah. That's readable. Thank you. Thank they you can that. actually take action. They understand the actions and they can actually do it. And when they start getting confused, they're done. It's it's over with. So I I wanted to compliment you on that because you know I've done I've been doing radio for 21 years, and uh, podcasting only for now about seven months. But let me tell you, after all those years in in reading thousands of books, that is the number one problem that every doctor has because the truth is they would like to explain it all so that everyone understands it. The problem with it is. Most people don't understand it. <laughs> yeah, and, right. But and if you, they don't understand it, they don't, can't take action. Yeah, you yeah. won't do it. You won't do it. If you, in fact, you'll kind of get there and you, you glaze over and you're done. But you were very succinct, very direct, and, and you broke it down to very user-friendly. And, I mean, everything in this book, I'm just nodding, going, oh, yeah, well, that's, yeah, I use it in my practice, and that's exactly right, and that's what we do. And, I mean, it's 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 just great. And, and like, like usual, unfortunately, uh, podcast and and uh, interviews are way too short, but we want people to buy your book, and we pray that you are working on another book um, at some Thanks. point because you should. This is this is exactly the information, and and you're a wonderful guest. I mean, you're articulate, you're very concise, you don't lose people. I I don't know. I just I really enjoyed today. Thank you, thank you, Dr. Bensiker and Mamie. Yeah. The the most important thing for me now, I found that you know I don't want to go away with your your readers and your your listeners to go with a message that you can substitute allopathic medications to for you know supplements and you know forget about the rest of the lifestyle, you know like sleep right. and meditation right. and 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 exercise and massages and and you know there's a whole and detoxify your environment your home so. Just that, that nine different little sprinklings of looking, oh, my God, the nine different areas of my life and my life uh, style, I can address those. It's very, very simple. Start with one or two. But the most important thing I've found for people when they have an illness and before they get an illness or they're a caretaker or they, 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 they go into fear mode. You know, fear just shuts you down. Sure. You're scared. And, and the idea of the book and everything else, and I see a lot of people here who have multiple chronic conditions, and they, they've been given up hope on. And I said, no, we can work at it from basic. It all starts with the fear and the anxiety and the worry that you have. And that needs to be addressed through proper meditation techniques, or they need to address in a, in a, in a spiritual context. So combining all that with a with a with a more optimistic view of life, no matter what your challenges are. And I've been through many, many challenges myself. So I do know what I'm saying. And I know the panel here today have gone through their issues because we we, we really are passionate about what we can share with people. Mm-hmm. And for people to understand that they have their lives and how they want to live life. Because I believe everyone can live a vibrant, radiant, fulfilled life mm-hmm. and happy life. 
and they and they deserve it. Yeah. And so starting with that, use the body, use your mind, use your emotions, and be spiritually connected to your own spirit. So that there's no room for fear or worry or concern to come in. And if they do come in, look at them. Just five, ten minutes. Just sit down with your worry and concern by closing your eyes and just being with it. And you realize, like, you know, muddy water. I always use this, this example, like muddy water in a glass. You know, it just whitens down and sinks. The sediments sink to the ground. Just five, ten minutes of just being with yourself. And I always tell my people, put your hand on your heart. Put your hand on your heart and just look at your fears just like that, close your eyes and just be with it in your body. And you realize that after five, ten minutes, you have a beautiful insight. Oh, wow, the fear was trying to tell me about something. Oh, wow, I know who I can go for help. I know what I can do. A brilliant solution just from your body, from just being with your fear, it comes out. How, how cool is that? How cool is your essence of life, you know, the, the, the spirit within you? It's a blessing of God that we all need to recognize and be grateful for every day of our lives. If we can live a life of gratitude, even in my worst moments, worst health challenges, financial challenges, relationship challenges, practicing gratitude, immediately the problem will lift. Excellent. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Very wise words across the entire kind of whole person. I love that. Thank Love you it. so much for taking time today to talk with us and share a little bit more about your book. Yep, we're going to share we're going to share this podcast and we look forward to having you back again and we just thank you for spending the time with us today, Doctor. It's fabulous. Thank you so much. And I want to say that, you know, they can get some free excerpts of the book and um uh, uh, go to my website, and we'll be giving a lot of information on What's your website, Doctor? Doctor Nair, uh, what, what's, uh, what's the book? What's the uh, website? It's uh, uh, www.soulaccessmeditations. S O U L Soul Access is A C C E S S Meditations. dot com forward slash book. And so they can go there and they can get a newsletter if they're interested to find out how to be a more holistic healthcare, you know, take care of your health in a more holistic way. Wonderful. We will make sure as we write our blog and our intro, we'll make sure that's included in there um, and make sure it gets promoted. And again, we hope to hear from you and anything else that you're writing or any other input you have because we certainly have enjoyed our time with you. Thank you. And I'll be sure to share your information to my list here and my folks here because thank you and, and please keep up the good work. Well, thank, thank you, you so much. Thank you so much. Have a great day. You too. Amy okay. Baker, Dr. Sean Benzinger. Humarian Health Podcast. Spilling our guts. For the well-being of yours. That's right. Thanks for having the guts to listen to the Humarian Health Podcast. If you have things you'd like to gut check, send us an email at gutcheck at humarian.com. 